Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, listeners. Welcome back. I hope you had a good week and that this finds you in rude health. I myself still have a lingering COVID cough, which isn't uncommon, of course, but at least the severity of my symptoms is lessening. So, hopefully, I will be fully recovered by the time the next episode of this show rolls around. But anyway, enough of my health. You're not here to peruse a chart at the bottom of my bed. You're here for Underwood and Flinch. So, let's get to it, shall we? This week, we return to London and the story of Damo and Rose. For those of you who can't remember where we left off, here's a quick recap. Reluctant vampire Damo Sullivan, having come to London looking for Underwood and Flinch in the hope that they can somehow help him with his newly fanged condition, instead finds, or rather is found by, Underwood's wife, or should that be widow? Turns out neither. But anyway, Lady Rosamond Underwood, better known as Rose. Rose is a seasoned vampire and has taken Damo under her wing. She shows him how to feed on a taxi driver without killing him, a skill that Damo needs because so far everyone he's had his teeth into has died. Then Rose brings him to her home in the sub-basement of a building adjacent to the disused Aldwych underground station. Damo is privately horrified at how filthy it all is. There are rat turds everywhere, and soon he finds out why. Rose's pet rat, Oddfellow, isn't one, but hundreds of rats that she can summon at will. And when last we left Damo and Rose, she was very happily covered in the furry, beady, black-eyed, scrabbly-clawed, long-tailed vermin. Ew. Yes, quite. So, that then is where we resume our story now. In... Underwood and Flinch Season 4 Underground Written and performed for podcast by Mike Bennett This podcast is intended for an adult audience Episode 3 Damo stood on the sofa, watching the rat infestation Rose lovingly knew as Oddfellow, swarming about her as she knelt among them. The rats were running all over her body and nosing affectionately at her face. She raised her arms, beckoning Damo to come to her. 
Tiny claws scrabbled at her raincoat, trying to hang on as the angle of her arms changed. Damo grimaced to see one rat run into her sleeve. What? said Rose. Why are you so afraid, Damien? They don't bite. Please, Rose, said Damo, extending a hand defensively. Could you just send them away? Away? Rose's smile faltered. Away where? I don't know, just somewhere that ain't here. But they live here. Please, Rose, Damo's voice touched a note of near panic. You're freaking me out, love. Would you just send them away? Understanding and disappointment dawned on Rose's features. Oh, dear, she lowered her arms. I see you are like him in this respect. Who? Daniel. He isn't a pet person either. She got up, and as if sensing the change in her, the rats began dropping from her body and moving away. Yeah, that's it. I'm not a pet person. I hate dogs and cats and all. Odd fellow. Rose raised an arm and swept it in the direction of the door. Go. Damo watched as immediately the bristling black carpet of furry bodies began to pour away from them in the direction of the door. Relief flooded him, washing away a tension that had been so great he had to catch the back of the sofa to prevent himself from falling. He lowered himself steadily down to a sitting position, his eyes darting around the cushions of the sofa in case some stragglers hadn't got the message. Rose had walked over to the fireplace and now stood with her back to him. She was clearly pissed off. He knew that was something he couldn't afford. He needed her. He tried to summon a smile. You, uh, you say Underwood isn't a fan of pets either? Yeah, she replied without turning. He uses rats only as a tool, like a farmer might use a donkey. He gave a little laugh. <laughs> well, uh, give me a donkey any day of the week. She turned to look at him over her shoulder, her eyes unsmiling. I'm kidding, he said. I'd no more like a donkey than a, a, a rat swarm. <laughs> all the same to me. I never got on with the pets at all, so I didn't. She turned back fully and unbelted her coat. But that was then, Damien. Now you are a vampire. You have this wonderful ally in the animal kingdom. You should embrace it as I do. They can help you, defend you, and you will never be lonely. All right. Are you never along with a rat, eh? Yes, like the ad for the old strand cigarette. Oh, but you are too young to remember this. Ah, no. I've seen that on the internet. You know, YouTube. Ah, the internet. It is everywhere. People have the phones. It is on posters. Always in the papers. And yet, physically, it is nowhere. She took off her coat and draped it over the chair beside her. She was wearing a cream-coloured silk blouse with a cowl neckline and a grubby black A-line skirt. You use this a lot? Damo's eyes came back to hers from where they had been admiring her long legs, sheathed in laddered black stockings. Uh, yeah, everybody does. It's getting harder and harder not to. She shrugged. Not for me. 
He got up and nodded to the door where the rats had departed. So, uh, you, like, control them, those rats? Odd fellow. Yes, they do as I will them. That's amazing. And it was, too, he thought. Disgusting, but amazing. So where would they all have gone to? They will go down the stairs in the lift shaft. They have their own ways from there. Where to? The underground train network, the sewers, the city beneath the city. Damo crossed to the door and looked along the corridor outside. A rat lingered at the foot of a doorway just past the elevator. The door stood open a crack, and on seeing Damo, the rat disappeared through it. Damo turned back to Rose. Can I see? She waved an open hand. Be my guest. He went down to the door and pulled it open. A cool breeze flowed around him, rich with the smell of the underground. He stepped outside onto a concrete landing, a stopping point on a staircase that wound up and down the walls of the wide, circular elevator shaft. Daniel originally agreed with the railway company that this could also serve as a ventilation shaft, said Rose as she stepped out to join him, her voice echoing ghostly in the shaft. He never had any intention of honouring the deal, of course. The noise from the electric fans at the top would have been insufferable. As soon as the lift was installed, he changed their minds about the dual function. Damo nodded, knowing she spoke literally. He saw the lift itself was caged within a crisscross metal framework that ran up and down the centre of the shaft. He looked up. So where did these stairs go? There are landings at all floors, but doors at the university level have been walled up. At the very top is the elevator machinery and roof access. And what about down? He looked out over the rail. Through the girders of the elevator structure, he could see the stairs winding down, a few rats milling around close to the wall of the shaft. It's a passage to Aldridge. You said you don't use the lift in the hours when the university is open. Does that mean you use these steps? Yes, I suppose they keep me fit, she said with a smile. She was standing beside him now, her hand next to his on the handrail. For the first time, Damo noticed a gold ring on the third finger. You still wear his ring? he asked. She turned so they were facing each other and raised her hand to show him. Of course, he is still my husband. He looked into her eyes. Does that mean you still love him? He said it before he could censor himself, and as soon as it was out, he blurted an apology. Oh shit, sorry, that's none of my business. I was just, you know, surprised that after all these years. It is all right, she said. The corners of her mouth rose in a smile that failed to reach her eyes. For a moment, he thought, there was pain there, a look of hurt. He inwardly cursed himself, but she went on reassuringly. I suppose it is odd. He's been dead to me for over sixty years, and yet still I wear his ring. I suppose I just felt incomplete without it. Ah, look, I'm sorry, Rose. I didn't mean to pry. I was just attracted to you, suggested a voice in his mind. 
Despite the B.O., the possible insanity and the rat overcoat, I was wondering what my chances were. I was just stupid, insensitive. It does not matter. If we are going to be friends and he is around again, it is understandable. She gave a brief sigh, then looked down to twist the ring on her finger. Yes, I still love him. A vampire's memory is as ageless as the rest of us. Time... The great healer does not work for us as it does for humans. So, what, you, you remember everything, like, you know, between yous, even after sixty years? She looked up, and there were tears in her eyes. Yes, I remember it all. I, I'm sorry, Rose, I didn't mean to rake it all up. She took him by the arm and squeezed reassuringly. It is all right, Damien, really. It is not like I am faithful to his memory, like some woman gone to a convent. I have moved on. I take lovers whenever I want. Then she chuckled. <laughs> sure, I've been known to kill them afterwards, but this is neither here nor there. She linked his arm. Come, let's go back inside. It is cold here. They went back into the hall, and Rose began to close the door. She stopped, just short of shutting it at the point where Damo had first seen it, open a jar to allow Oddfellow access. She hesitated, then pushed it home into its frame. She turned back to him with a smile. And so, apparently now Underwood is back. I hope he doesn't think he's getting his house back too. She relinked his arm and they started down the hall. Seriously, though, Rose, said Damo, how do you feel about that? I honestly don't know how to feel. Though the lawyers told me to accept he was gone, I never could. Not here. She placed a hand on her heart. You understand? Damo nodded. I suppose I've always burned the candle for him. That is what you say, yes? Yeah. You're, uh, you're not English, are you? No, I am German. I still have a trace of the accent, yes? Damo smiled. Yeah. He seesawed his hand in a so-so gesture. Just a touch. Ah, she shrugged. It is my own fault. After the bombs stopped falling, I could have left this place, but I chose to stay. I was waiting for him, I suppose. I wanted to be here, where he would expect to find me when, if he came home. And so, being alone all this time, I began talking to myself in my native tongue. It is natural, I suppose, and so my accent has remained. Ah, don't be down on yourself, Rose. I like your accent. It's kind of sexy. She laughed. Ha! <laughs> Flatterer. No, really. It's like one of them classic German actresses, you know, like uh, Marlena Dietrich and all them. Ah, Marlena, Rose nodded. You know, once, I was one of all of them, before Underwood carried me away. Really? Oh, yes. And so, did you know her? Marlene Dietrich, I mean. Rose nodded as she led him past Underwood's sitting room and on down the hall. Yes, I knew her, though there was a time when it would have been me you would have been interested in, not her, for I was the one at the top of the bill. She was a mere imitator of mine. No way! What? Rose turned to him, frowning. You think I lie? 
No, no, it's just an expression, you know? It means like, wow. Ah, so you are impressed. Damo laughed. Impressed? <laughs> Fuck yeah. So you were like a famous actress. Oh, an actress, a singer. I was a star, I was a cabaret. What, like the movie cabaret in Berlin? Yes, that was my time. I like this movie. But uh, do not mistake me for some Sally Bowles person. I was so much more. Well, I can see that even now, she laughed. <laughs> there you go again with the flattery. I'm not flattering you, Rose. You definitely have star quality. And it was true, he realised. She did. Really? She said, stopping and turning to him. Even though... She looked down at herself. Real class always shines true, Rose, said Damo. You can't hide that light under a bushel. I don't know what this bushel means, but I think I understand you. Thank you, Damien. And by the way, I like your accent too. It is Dublin, I think, yes? Yeah, softened a bit by years abroad. Spain, mostly. Spain, yes. This is where you met Underwood, of course. Tell me, how did he look? How do you mean? I mean, was he older, different? Ugh, she rolled her eyes. How could you know what he was like when I last saw him? Just describe him for me. Well, he looked late thirties, thick black hair. I suppose the ladies might say he was handsome, but, uh, of course, me being as straight as they come, I wouldn't know. Rose smiled. Ah, that is the same, Daniel. Eternal as I am, and now as you are too. Damo looked down at his hands. Janie, yeah, that's something, isn't it? So I won't get any older. Oh, you will, but very, very slowly. I don't think I've aged more than a day or two in sixty years. Come downstairs to my part of the house. I will show you some photos I have of us. She led Damo down a flight of carpeted stairs that oozed the smell of mould beneath their tread. At the bottom of the stairs was a door. It was slightly ajar, no doubt for Oddfellow. Rose pushed the door open and went through. Damo followed her and looked around. The hall shared the same decorative style with the floor above, but it was littered with trash. Chocolate bar wrappers, crumpled serviettes, cigarette packs and a polystyrene burger box were among the crap kicked to the walls and into the corners. He noticed the door wouldn't open all the way and he looked behind it to see piles of yellowing newspapers. The top one showed a picture of Tony Blair as he had been at the time he was Prime Minister. Damo followed Rose down the corridor where she led the way into another living room. Like the one upstairs, the furniture was antique, but here it was worn with use, the chair coverings torn and shabby in places. There was a TV, grey screened with gold plastic trim and push buttons for eight channels, and beneath it, a VCR and a pile of tapes lying in and out of their boxes. He turned at the sound of a click to see Rose turning on a portable electric radiator in front of the grand ornamental fireplace. His expression must have been leaking some of his dismay at everything, because on seeing it, Rose, evidently thinking it was restricted to the radiator, said, 
No one has real fires in London anymore. If I were to light it, the smoke would draw attention. This radiator is good, though. I have one in every room. So if you are cold, I can bring in another. Damo shook his head. I know, you're all right with that. One's fine. He continued to look around the room. Here, too, there was litter. Mostly food wrappers, empty drink cans, plastic bottles, flattened cigarette butts. But there was something else. A smell of putridity that rose above the general dank funk of the place. He sniffed and, following his nose, walked over to a table where a number of dirty plates encircled a large KFC bucket. On the plates were chicken bones, the hardened residue of baked beans and some thoroughly gnawed cobs of corn. There was a coating of furry grey mould growing on everything. "'You like it?' she said, looking around the room with a smile. "'Well, of course you have to excuse the mess. Obviously I was not expecting company this evening.' Damo forced a smile before turning to her. "'Sure it's grand, Rose. You should see the state of my place.' His words recalled an image of Ange lying dead in a pool of blood on the kitchen floor. He looked away. Rose pushed a heaped blanket to the floor from the sofa and sat down. She patted the space beside her and said, Come, sit. Damo sat down beside her and looked at the grey face of the television. Nice TV, he said. How long does it take to warm up? She frowned. Surely you don't want to watch television. Ah, no, it's just it's an old one, isn't it? My nan used to have a telly that was so old, it used to have to warm up before it came on, you know? She was looking at him, her expression still puzzled. Maybe her TV was the same. It looked old enough. He smiled. It it was a joke, Rose. <laughs> she chuckled. Another joke. Forgive me, Damien, I am afraid I'm unaccustomed to humour. I don't get the jokes like I used to. But I think that now I have met you, this will change, yes? Sure, said Damo. Sure we'll... We'll what? His mind inquired. Have a laugh. Have a laugh, feeding on taxi drivers, living in a subterranean rat's nest. Oh yeah, life's gonna be a fucking riot, isn't it? We'll... uh, We'll have a laugh, won't we? Good, said Rose. Of course, if you want to watch television, I have videotapes. They are for my guests, really. I rarely watch it myself. Guests, said Damo. You have guests down here? Yes, of course. Aren't you a guest? No, I mean like human guests. She smiled. Yes, from time to time. He nodded in the direction of the table. So, is that the story with the place, then? She looked over at it. Oh, yes, I keep meaning to tidy that up, but it's a case of out of sight, out of mind. I don't spend much time in this room. I really only come home to sleep. Damo noticed a single Oxford brogue under the table. Looks like one of your guests forgot his shoe. She looked to where he pointed. Ah, yes, I wondered where that had got to. Was it someone you had back for dinner? She laughed. <laughs> exactly. So he's, uh, he's what now? You mean the owner of the shoe? Yeah. Either he left in a hurry with one shoe missing, or he's, uh... Dead? She smiled, amused. 
Sometimes I... She shrugged. I have my needs. The same as anyone else. You mean, in addition to food? Yes. I required him for companionship. Right, said Damo, nodding thoughtfully. Fair enough. And so, do you get that need for companionship often? From time to time, she smiled. So how does that work then? Do you, what do you call it? He gestured mesmerising circles around his eyes. Fascinate them? Rose's eyebrows arched. Are you suggesting I have to fascinate a man in order to get him to come home with me? Oh, no, he said quickly, though that was, unconsciously perhaps, exactly what he'd been suggesting. Attractive as Rose was, she was dirty and she stank. The only guys he could imagine going for that would be guys in similar condition, and the quality of the shoe beneath the table was somewhat above the pay grade of the average London tramp. So fascinating such a man would, he felt, be the only way to attract him. I meant they don't mind you, uh, killing him. Ah, I see. Well, I prefer a man to be, how can I say, still in his own mind in the bedroom, so I tend to approach men who drink alone. Lonely men, sad men, a little drunk, perhaps. These are always easy. But sometimes someone will take my fancy who is neither lonely nor drunk. And so then, yes, a little beguiling is called for. And so what, these guys leave with a gap in their memory, or... He looked back to the shoe. Or I kill them, yes, yes. So what do you do with the bodies, if you don't mind me asking? I have my own means of disposal, but really... She met his eyes, and not for the first time that evening, he saw an unmistakable look of appreciation there. This is hardly fitting talk for now. Damo felt a warm shiver run through him. He wondered if that was the same look she gave to lonely drunk guys. Ach, but look at me, she waved a hand. I forget my manners. She got up and went behind the sofa to a drinks cabinet in the corner. There was an array of bottles on top, none of which Damo noted with interest were too dusty. I have whiskey, vodka, gin. I'll have a whiskey. Thanks. How do you like it? As it comes. Sehr gut, she said, taking out two glasses. She poured them each a generous measure and came back to the sofa to hand him his drink. She sat down and raised her glass in a toast. Here is to new beginnings. Damo hesitated, then raised his glass. To new beginnings. They clinked glasses and drank. Then he said, So, what other rooms do you have here? Oh, there is much more. The bedroom, the kitchen, the bathroom. Actually, you mentioned that you wanted a bath. Again, she met his eyes. If you like, I can run you one now. Damo scratched his head. His hair was greasy. He knew he stank, but at some point he'd stopped noticing, not only of himself, but also of her. He was becoming accustomed to it. That had to be a bad sign. Sure, he said. Thanks, I could use one. He wondered if she would acknowledge that she did too, but she simply smiled, got up and went out.
After she had gone, he sat back and looked around. So, this was a vampire's lair. A shithole. He ran a finger along the arm of the sofa. It came away dark with grime. He grimaced. What was it she'd said? I don't spend much time in this room. Too right she didn't, and neither did Mr. Sheen. From somewhere down the hall, he heard the sound of running water start splashing into a bath. The thought of Oddfellow, the rat horde that she considered a domestic pet, rose in his mind, and he looked around for any small black eyes twinkling at him from the shadows. But there were none. Jesus, to think she actually liked those things, and even thought that he would too. You've been down here on your own way too long, Rosie, he said under his breath. She had said the rats came into this room too, but that they didn't shit or piss. Yeah, right, he snorted, and began checking the sofa for tiny turds. Strangely, though, there were none. Maybe she swept them up now and again. If that were the case, there'd probably be some between the seat cushions. He lifted the cushion next to his, but again, no rat turds. The smell of rotting food called his attention to the table. If there was going to be rat shit anywhere, surely it would be there. He went over and lifted a plate to see under the rim. There was nothing. I tell them not to, and so they do not. Fuck me, he whispered. She couldn't just call these rats like a man calls a dog. She really could commune with them. You like bubble bath? She called to him from down the hall. Bubble bath. The very thought of such a thing in a place like this seemed bizarre. Yeah, sure, he called back. And now what? He thought. I'm going to have a bath while the rat queen does what? Goes off in search of something for dinner? Some pisshead from the local boozer? Or maybe she'll ring for a taxi? He laughed though there was nothing funny about it. He drank the rest of his drink, then went to the cabinet to get a refill. "'Okay,' she called. "'It's nearly ready!' He poured a standard measure, a habit from years of bar work, then continued to pour another two. He wondered what kind of state the bath was in. Maybe he'd be cleaner getting in than he would be getting out. He smiled to himself as he recalled the old Chinese curse. May you live in interesting times. He raised his glass. To interesting times. Slancher. He drained his glass and set it down hard, before turning towards the sound of running water. At the end of the hall was a lighted room from which perfumed steam drifted enticingly. He entered the bathroom to find Rose sitting on the edge of a large white enamel bathtub that stood on four black iron feet. She smiled at him invitingly. She bent to scoop a handful of foam, and Damo's eyes were caught by the glitter of a small gold crucifix that danced against her cleavage. She raised the bubbles to her lips and blew them at him. <laughs> It is from Harrods. I buy only the best. Pity you don't use it more often, he thought. But he replied, Grand! Come, get in. It's a lovely temperature. Get in? 
Damo scratched his stubbly chin. What did she mean by that? She's been down here a long time. Maybe she's forgotten that bath time isn't generally a spectator sport. Sure, thanks. And, uh, what'll you be doing while I'm here? She smiled. What would you like me to be doing? He felt a twinge of anxiety that he was unaccustomed to in such situations. She was clearly up for something more than scrubbing his back, but she was... Jesus, she was a vampire, a possibly nutty vampire, and she was Underwood's missus. And yet, he glanced again at her tantalisingly revealed bosom and felt a stirring in his trousers. Eh, I don't know. Well, I could join you if you like. The tub is big enough for two. Damo felt himself stiffening down below as Rose ran a wet finger seductively along the edge of the bathtub. Yeah, he said, and we've both had such a long day. Haven't, Fizzo, she said, kicking off her shoes. She turned off the taps and got up. She removed the clasps from her hair and let it fall to past her shoulders. She was blonde. He had thought perhaps she was brunette when she had it tied up, but now, as she shook it loose beneath the light bulb, he saw streaks of gold tarnished by the dirt and grime of the underground. Then she drew her blouse up over her head. Damo saw with interest that her white silk bra was clean and practically new. She removed her crucifix and laid it on a table beside the bath. Then she looked at him, surprised. "'Are you going to bathe with your clothes on, Damien?' Damo snapped out of his trance. "'Eh, no, uh, I was just admiring you,' she laughed. <laughs> "'Well, let me admire you, too. Come, get undressed.' He pulled off his hoodie and T-shirt, screwing up his nose as he got a whiff of the stink from beneath his arms. Jesus, that's ripe. Mmm, she purred. You smell so masculine. Have you noticed how your sense of smell has become heightened since you were born again? Uh, yeah, he nodded. You smell too. I mean, you smell feminine, she chuckled. <laughs> it is nature's way. Now we know each other's scent, we can track each other through the forests of the night. She dropped her skirt to reveal white silk French knickers that, like her bra, seemed almost new. She saw him staring at them and stopped. What? Is something wrong? Oh, no, I was just, uh, them knickers are nice. He inwardly rolled his eyes at the comment and searched his mind for something to say to regain some of his masculine mystique. What he came out with failed miserably. Where'd you get em? What, these? she said, drawing down her knickers and stepping out of them. He nodded as he fumbled with his belt. Harrods, I have to have silk underwear, but I feel it loses its quality with repeated washing, so... I always buy new ones. She smiled. Some things one cannot scrimp on. Don't you agree? Oh, I do, he nodded. Most definitely. He unfastened his jeans and tugged them down along with his boxers. 
They knotted around his ankles, and he managed to kick off his trainers before clambering out of the tangle of fabric. "'Well, well, you are pleased to see me,' she said, eyeing his arousal. He smiled, delighted with himself. He watched breathlessly as she unhooked her bra and released her breasts. "'Sure you're not bad yourself, Rose, especially for someone who's practically a centenarian.' She walked over and smoothed her hand over his stubbly cheek. "'Thank you. And you are not bad for any age, Mr. Damo, Damien Sullivan. And so you always shall be.' She kissed him, her tongue entering his mouth as she pulled him hard against her. He returned her kiss, his hands caressing her, sweeping up her back to plunge into her hair. "'Janie Mack!' he said with a smile. Maybe this vampire life isn't going to be quite as bad as I thought it was going to be. Rose pouted. Who is this Janey woman you always speak about? Ah, no one you need to worry about, darling. He swept her up into his arms and walked over to the bath. Now, let's you and me give this bathtub of yours a run for its money, shall we? Well, listeners, tactfully, we lower the curtain on Damo and Rose as they uh, give the bathtub a run for its money. Could this be the start of a beautiful relationship? Or are these just two vampiric ships that pass in the night? Join me next time for the next episode of Underwood and Flinch. Music on the podcast was Ahmad Armour by Farid Farjad, courtesy of Taranay Records, specialists in Persian music. You can buy the track from iTunes, from Amazon, or you can now stream it on Spotify, which is nice. And so there we are, my friends, Underwood and Flinch, Season 4, Episode 3, which corresponds, incidentally, to Episode 16 of the complete podcast novel, Underwood and Flinch Underground, at Patreon. You can get your ears into the remaining 44 or so episodes of that and the novella that comes after it for as little as three American dollars, or your local currency equivalent, by joining my Patreon. Stated price is current at the time of recording and is subject to change in future. Thank you, Terms and Conditions man. He was just rapidly telling you, in that way that Terms and Conditions people do, that the $3 price tag I quoted for Patreon a moment ago is true at the time of this recording, but is subject to change in future. And you may hear Terms and Conditions man in the future, and if you do, then that's what he's saying. But anyway, you remember I told you that Underwood and Flinch had been optioned for a television series, don't you? Of course you do. How could you forget? So you'd probably like to know if there's any news on that front. Though, of course, I don't know how much you personally know. I mean, if you've listened to all the episodes of the Underwood and Flinch After Hours podcast that came in between seasons three and four of Underwood and Flinch, then you know a lot more than listeners who've just skipped all of those and come here straight from season three. So for the benefit of those people, I will give you the bullet points of where we are now. You know, just so we're all on the same page. 1. Underwood and Flinch has been optioned for television. 2. By a major Hollywood studio, no less. 
Three, production partners have been found, that is, other companies, to help with the production, one of which will actually make the series in Spain and the UK, if, and there's still a big if attached to the possibility of the show, the series gets the green light, which it still hasn't, you know, it's still just an option. Four, we have a main series writer, or showrunner, as they say in the industry. Five, the role of David Flinch has officially been filled. The actor cast is very well known. And finally, six, the role of Underwood has now also been filled. This was unofficial for quite a while, but the actor has now signed on the dotted line and is officially Lord Daniel Underwood of TV Land. And that's where we are at the moment. It's funny, you may think, hey, Mike, that's nuts. All these things are in place and yet it's still not greenlit. Well, yes, that is the case. You see, all these things had to be in place before the producers could start pitching the show to networks and streamers because the stars and the writer of the show are going to be part of that pitch. You know, they're, they're among the key personnel who are actually doing the pitching of the show. However, just because these guys are well-known actors and the writer also has a very impressive CV, that doesn't mean to say that the pitches are going to secure a buyer. Underwood and Flint's the series could still fall at the last hurdle. And so for that reason, it is still only an option. But I will, of course, keep you posted on any developments in this process, especially if the pitches go ahead and are successful because that is when Underwood and Flinch will cease to be an option and go into production. And if and when that happens, I will finally be able to tell you who the stars of the show are. And that's all I have, ladies and gentlemen. Not much other news. Uh, for links to things like Underwood and Flinch merchandise, my social media profiles and so on and so forth, please visit my website, mikebennettauthor.com which is also, incidentally, a blog of my somewhat uneventful life. But that's not important, is it? Uh, there's also underwoodandflinch.com and mikebunnettpodcast.com too. These websites are all different. Oh yes, they each have their own individual charms. But enough, I'm rambling. Time to shut up and ship out. Thank you for listening, ladies and gentlemen. It's been a pleasure as always. But from me for now. Until the moon rises again over Underwood and Flinch, farewell.